Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. From the border of liberty and prosperity in the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Monday, March 27th, 2023. What happened at the end of last week? I was writing out a check and I wrote down 2022. That's usually when it happens about this time of the year for me. How's everybody doing out there? Let me go to safetyfm.com, make sure I'm broadcasting, because last week I was broadcasting for several minutes, but for whatever reason, it was not going on Safety FM. Yes, I am broadcasting. I had the microphone turned off last week. It wasn't the radio station's fault. But anyway... That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. How's everybody doing? I hope everybody enjoyed their weekend. Wanted to uh, start off with on a somber note. Seven years ago, today, I can't believe it's seven years ago, my brother John passed away. It was Easter Sunday uh, in uh, 2016. I wish some good can come out of this, uh, but he had uh, long-term health problems. And uh, this week, we're also marking another somber anniversary of my mother-in-law passing away. This was on uh, March 31st, which is what? Friday. This Friday. So, what I would like everybody to do is, if you haven't done it yet, Go out and get your first aid CPR and AED refreshers or first time classes. If you need help on that, give us a call 845-269-5772 or email me at jim at safetywars.com. I teach the class. So uh, if you have a long-term health problem, chronic problem like diabetes, heart disease, and any other number of things, make sure you take care of yourself. Work with your doctors, work with your nurses, or whoever else is on your healthcare team. Take these problems seriously uh, because uh, John died way too young. Not even 55. So... Uh, that's all I have to say on that. This Saturday morning, this past Saturday morning, I spent uh, the morning interviewing a very good friend of mine, uh, Murray Sabrin. If you're from New Jersey, New York area, you know him as a uh, two-time candidate for political office and a professor emeritus at Ramapo College. We discuss the banking situation. You don't want to miss this program. I'm editing it. Uh, I'll be editing it tomorrow for broadcast on Wednesday. Uh, you don't want to miss that program. We talk about everything, including environmental, social governance. And uh, no, I'll say this much uh, with a lot of the environment. No, a lot of it's good. A lot of it uh, I have to question on this. And one of my issues with ESG, and it was in the Professional Safety Journal last week, by the way, last Friday, I received my uh, issue for March. The, uh, with the smaller firms trying to do business with the bigger firms, there's a lot of problems with writing ESGs-related stuff because they don't have the economies of scale, and oftentimes things are exaggerated or there's outright fraud. 
with those uh, programs. Uh, now, that's been my experience, and it's a, a, people treat it as a joke. So for some things, we could agree with, with that. So, for example, a statement saying you're not going to go and uh, hire uh, slave labor, for example, or take people's passports away when they work for you, or things of that nature, yeah, that's simple. I think we could all agree with that. Uh, but some of the other stuff, maybe not so much. And uh, we talked about forced relationships in business uh, also. Now, what's the purpose of a business? And at least from his point of view, maybe some of you are going to agree. Some of you are not going to agree. That's just the way it goes. Anyway. Do, do, do. Now people are texting me. Are you kidding me? You know you're on, I'm on the air. Okay, here we go. A lot of big stories today. Uh, we're going to start out with the financial news uh, right off the bat with the closing markets. I'm, right. Dow Jones Industrial. 32,000 is up slightly today, 32,432. S&P 500 up slightly to 3977.53. NASDAQ fell slightly, 1170, 11,768. Russell 2000 rose uh, 1.08% to close at 1753.67. U.S. 10-year Treasury notes are at 3.527. Note the price of the Treasury notes. All right. Uh, that's going to be uh, a discussion on Wednesday. Gold uh, is at 1959.40, and uh, Bitcoin is trading at 27,124.50. Those are both up, and crude oil is up to $73 a barrel. I want to uh, note uh, to everybody I'm uh, broadcasting 8.07 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday, March 27th. A lot of these markets, like crude oil, Bitcoin, gold, they trade 24-7, basically. For gold, it's 24-6. So uh, just keep that in mind. Uh, silver at 23.39, up slightly. Platinum at 9.94.50. And palladium at 14.60.50. Uh, so those are the financial markets for the day. Okay, let's hold on, everybody. Do, do, do. Big story tonight. All right. These are what uh, the latest uh, uh, reports are. There was a uh, trans female, former student, 28, armed with two assault rifles and a handgun, kills three nine year old kids and three staff members at Nashville Private Christian School after writing manifesto and drawing maps of church campus. Shooting took place on Monday at the Covenant School in Nashville. Shooter has been named as 28-year-old Audrey Hale, who lives nearby. And uh, basically, uh, six people, including three children, are dead after a female shooter opened fire in a private school in Nashville, killing three nine-year-old children and three staff members. The shooter was 28-year-old Audrey Hale, who at, the time, who at one time uh, attended the school. I don't know about that. That's uh, allegedly, right? So police said she identified as transgender and online profiles show Audrey used he or him pronouns. So at around, uh, no, so the narrative on all this stuff is, uh, the, the narrative on this stuff is the same as usual, right? So I had a, when this happened in Uvalde last year, right? And this is a private school, private schools covered by OSHA. So I'm sure OSHA will probably issue a report on this or something else. And if they don't, they probably should on this, on what happened. But uh, on the uh, public schools, normally they're not covered unless they're uh, by federal OSHA. They're covered by a hodgepodge of regulations by either state OSHA or by no OSHA at all. And it's done by statutory law, this and that. It's hodgepodge. It's all mixed up. Uh, what my solution, uh, and it's controversial, I'm, I'm going to say that much, is that uh, OSHA 
should have jurisdiction over public schools. This way you have a federal investigation anytime of this stuff happens. And the school district will be compelled to protect their workers, a.k.a. teachers and staff members and everything else. So there will be another tool there, and there will probably be a federal uh, resources allocated, if anything, for the, uh, you know, even on the website or for uh, you know, spot inspections or something like that in this area. Now, uh, people say, well, OSHA is like understaffed and undermanned. Yeah, I understand. Maybe we can increase the staff with this. And also, because what often happens is there's very little incentive for government uh, workplaces to work safely. I hear all different types of uh, horror stories from government employees and, uh, and, and their workplaces, right? And when they find out I'm a health and safety professional, who do I call? Well, you call your state uh, uh, agency that's responsible for workplace uh, safety in your, no, for uh, public employees. Well, we did that. They never showed up. Or we did that. We made complaints to this agency, that agency, this group, that group. They get ignored. And what am I saying? Put it under federal jurisdiction. Assign, even if you have... Uh, you hire 150 or 200 more OSHA uh, citation compliance officers. And I always say citation officer. That's like bad, right? Uh, OSHA compliance officers. Put these schools on notice that they're going to be, uh, 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 that they're, they're under greater scrutiny. I think at that point, at least they could go and uh, at least at that point, they could go and, Hey, we're going to have certain procedures in place to protect the workers, to protect the schools. And no, you're protecting the workers. You're protecting the students also. You have a, right, that's what the benefit is on this. So you're uh, protecting both sets. That's what my solution is on that. Now you can say, well, what about the guns? What about this? I don't even want to go into the guns on this. With this, uh, that's uh, a little bit more too much controversy than I want to uh, go into. But I think it would be an easier sell politically to uh, an easier sell politically to go and get some type of federal jurisdiction over the schools uh, for school uh, and treat them as workplace safety uh, incidents with this. They already do it with armed robbery. They already do it in banks. They already do it with uh, bodegas, right? Convenience stores, anything like that. Uh, no, uh, social workers and private settings, things of, of that nature. Private mental hospitals, all those types of stuff. They they already do this. Maybe we could do this on this. This I think would be an easy sell uh, for Congress to come up and give uh, do the power. Uh, for Congress to come up, write the legislation, get it passed on this. All right. Uh, I think anything with guns is going to be fought tooth and nail by both sides uh, from each of their point of views. Uh, I think is very divisive. And, and I think this would be an easier thing to do. I would give automatic federal resources when one of these things happen in the terms of investigations of this uh, of this nature and uh, more importantly this will all be on the public record as to what happened uh, right now there's a lot of accusations uh, with some of these school uh, shootings that things that uh, now it's not on the public record it's all in uh, under investigation a lot of the stuff uh, there's accusations of cover-ups there's accusations of this and of that and everything else now i want to uh point out something since uh uh some of these since some of these shootings years ago where the uh press went out there and uh you know riled things up and were fighting to be the first one to report a story or anything like that uh added to a lot of confusion it seems like the press is not going hog wild as uh, you know, to borrow a term from another age and, you know, just going around and 
you know, while we're issuing uh, uh, reports in the heat of the moment and in the fog of the incidents here. So I want to commend the press for, uh, uh, you know, not going out there and adding to the conspiracy theory culture, for lack of a better word. Okay, some of the other news, OSHA news. I tell you what, let's uh, take a break here. Uh, Let me get a drink. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA Recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Pozel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. You are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's Safety Today. Yes, we are back. Yes, it is Tomorrow's Safety Today. Anyway, by the way, that was my daughter on there, right? Here we have uh, from the Department of Labor Occupational Safety and Health Administration press releases. Uh, Court requires Austin Auto Dealership to pay $15,000 in damages to employee fired in 2020 after raising COVID-19 safety concerns. When an employee of a luxury, this... uh, Okay, this headline is... right. So this uh, employer reinstated the worker and paid $116,000 in back wages in an earlier agreement. So they got $116,000 plus this $15,000. All right. When an employee of a luxury auto dealership in Austin learned a co-worker had tested positive for COVID-19 in 2020, they alerted the company's management and requested they notify other employees immediately of their exposure risk. Remember, this is 2020. Things were going nuts back there. After the dealership failed to act, the employee mailed all company employees about the uh, potential hazards. Less than an hour later, the car dealer terminated the employee. On March 20th, 2023, the Department of Labor obtained a consent judgment in U.S. District uh, Court uh, that requires the employer, uh, I'm not going to mention the name of it, to pay the employee $15,000 in compensatory damage. Damages. The court also forbade the dealership from discriminating against their employees when they exercise their federally protected rights to raise workplace safety concerns. The action follows a lawsuit filed by the department in October 2021 and a federal whistleblower investigation by OSHA. The agency found that dealership illegally retaliated against the employee in December 2020, violating whistleblower protections under the Occupational Safety and Health Act. Quote, retaliating against employees who report workplace safety and health concerns is illegal, said OSHA Regional Administrator Eric S. Harbin in Dallas. In this case, an employee raised legitimate concerns about a potential coronavirus hazard at the car dealership where they worked. Such good faith efforts, uh, such good faith alerts others to possible risks and makes workplaces safer. In a related case, the department and the National Labor Relations Board negotiated an agreement on July 26, 2022, with the employer. 
And uh, the employee that required the company to pay $116,000 in back wages to reinstate them to their previous positions. When employers retaliate against their workers for voicing safety concerns and health hazards, right? Uh, the, the going on, it goes on and on. Okay, this is where I see the problem, all right? We know in construction, we hear about OSHA all the time. Environmental stuff, OSHA all the time because you have the 1910-120 regulations for hazardous waste site operations and emergency response. We hear stuff in construction because you have a lot of outreach in construction about OSHA. General industry, things start to get a little bit slim shady sometimes where employers don't... uh, where you have employers that do not know what OSHA is. I've met them all the time. And where the employer or the owner may hear, uh, have heard of OSHA, their workforce has not heard about OSHA, does not know about, I uh, was uh, just dealing with a company about six months ago where nobody, they never heard of OSHA, didn't know that about working conditions, no training, no, nothing. And this was in the restaurant industry. And they had a major injury. And what do you think happened? Workers comp. Workers comp automatically gets reported to OSHA or the OSHA at a certain point gets a report. Anytime that there's a 911 or 911 call made and a police ambulance or fire department come to workplace, there's a very good chance that they're going to report it to OSHA especially if it has to do with an overnight hospital stay where you're legally admitted into the hospital. No, it's not. A, uh, it's a recordable. So what's my point on this? And then what happens? The company gets a visit from OSHA. How come you didn't report this and going on and on? What's my point? Lack of training, lack of awareness. If you're going to be going and hiring people, putting them in charge, right, then you, it's incumbent on you, the employer, to train them in health and safety issues. All right. And hold, hold on. I, uh, I got to go to commercial break. Something just happened. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Pozel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. Sorry about that. We had a situation. I had to answer the phone. All right. Uh, so what, what it comes down to, companies hire people. They don't give them training. People get put in supervisory con, uh, positions, and they don't get training. They don't know anything about this whistleblower stuff or anything else, but you can do that by calling 845-269-5772 or jim at safetywords.com. We could set you up with a class on this. We could coach you along. You give us a call. You, know, I, you make an appointment with me. It could be done online. It could be done in person, depending on the location. And we could go over what your requirements are as an employer with OSHA as far as OSHA and where, uh, whatever your situation is. We're not talking a lot of money here, guys, because right now, all right, this, um, this uh, uh, employee, right, all that they had to do was allegedly, according to the article I'm reading here, and then I'm basing it on this article, all that they had to do was address that, right? All that they had to do was address it. Okay, look, there's somebody here, blah, blah, blah. And this was all under the uh, CDC uh, uh, guidelines they had worked out and everything else. They, they had form letters. This could have been a, like a company-wide Zoom call. This could have been a company-wide email. Hey, just to let you know, Jane Doe and, uh, ended up with uh, an issue here or an employee no, you can't use a name, but 
everyone will know who you're talking about. Hey, an employee who has this, right? You may want to, uh, these are the symptoms, things of that nature. Very small type of thing. Maybe it could have, no, they could have said, hey, to the employee who reported, hold on, we're going to come out with an email tomorrow morning on this. Thank you for letting us know. Thank you for your concerns, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And then the next morning, you send it out. Now you're dealing with 116000 plus another 15000 $131,000 plus attorney fees plus the time wasted plus you lost a good employee um, with this plus you show you look you lost uh, good uh, good faith with your other employees doesn't make sense it's, it doesn't make logical sense it doesn't make business sense to be doing this type of stuff it really doesn't all right here we go Next, uh, next one, U.S. Department of Labor, Grain and Feed Association of Illinois Renew Alliance to Address Common Hazards in the Grain Handling Industry. So uh, there's an alliance renewal with the Grain and Feed Association of Illinois. On March 24, 2023, OSHA's Illinois area offices renew at an alliance with the Grain and Feed Association of Illinois to address grain industry hazards associated with engulfment, falls, conveying equipment, and combustible dust. The association's executive director, Jeff Atkinson, joined OSHA area directors Trish Rankin of Peoria, Aaron Pretty in Fairview Heights, Jacob Scott in Naperville, Suvkir Carr in Chicago North, and James Martinek. I knew on Martinek, a whole family in Woodbridge, James Martinek of Chicago South to sign the alliance agreement. The four-year alliance renews an agreement originally signed in March 2020. Representatives of each organization will meet at least annually to track and share information on activities and results in achieving the goals of the alliance to improve safety and health in the grain in industry. So it's all the same thing. Outreach initiatives, uh, Sharing invitations or then, right? Different events, right? And I just heard of this. There's an annual Stand Up for Grain Safety Week. Let's click on that. What's that about? The standupforgrain.org. It's Mar this week, March 27th to 31st. Well, what do you know? They have Zoom links for all sessions talking about grain. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm going to save that one. Okay. Now, and what's somewhat regional for us here, we had a chocolate factory explode in Pennsylvania. All right. Death toll in Pennsylvania chocolate factory explosion climbs to seven. All right. So, uh, oh, oh, oh. let's see, what are the details here? The death toll in Pennsylvania chocolate factory explosion climbs to seven. I tell you what, if you can handle it, they have video of the actual explosion. The remains of two more victims were discovered late Sunday, bringing its death toll to seven, authorities in the borough West Reading said. Uh, it's believed that two the two corresponded to two people believed to have gone missing after Friday's blast, right? The fine closes search operations on, at the R.M. Palmer Company as no other people connected to the location were missing. I want to short, right? And it's just an unbelievable thing. Now, let's talk about what possible causes would be. All right. You're dealing with chocolate. You're dealing with two things that are highly flammable. You're dealing with sugar and sugar dust, and you're also dealing with chocolate, cocoa dust, right? Both are organic dusts. When they're ground into a powder, things explode. And I'm not involved with the, with the, uh, with the investigation here, and I don't have any details. But this is uh, basically what they're... Uh, what they're no, this is based on my experience with dust explosions and my education about dust explosions. So remember, finely grained powder has more surface area than than coarsely right ground pat coarse powder. 
So when you get into fine-grained powder, it makes it more, much more explosive. And I suspect that's probably what happened here. That's my suspicion, where there was probably something with dust. Dust gets suspended in the air. Dust uh, somehow may have been an accumulation of dust, even though I don't believe that to be the case in a food producing thing. Usually those things are pretty clean. But in the machine shop, uh, in a machine, especially machine shop where they're grinding things, especially things like aluminum, accumulation of metal powder, and then uh, something dislodges it, it, right? Goes down, finds a uh, finds a ignition source, and then before you know it, you have a massive explosion. Then that gets compounded by rupturing of gas pipes and any other utilities there, including electric, where you have electric arcs, you have all different types of things of that nature, and you have natural gas burning, and now you have a massive problem here. And, uh, you know, let's consider thoughts and prayers to the families where this happened uh, with this. Uh, what does R.M. Palmer make? Hmm, that's one What do they? Yeah, the website says they're uh, currently closed. Yes, I would think so. The bill, building is completely leveled. Uh, they make all different types of stuff. I'm sure that they were ramping up for the uh, Easter rush on candy for the Easter bunny. So uh, thoughts and prayers with them. Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a shame crying shame with that. Hopefully we'll get to the bottom of that. So we do not have, uh, any more, uh, situations. We're going to get on with some other news right here. And I want to hit you with another commercial since we had two commercial breaks already because we had an urgent phone call there on the emergency line. Okay, we're going to go on over to one of our favorite websites here, studyfinds.org. So, melatonin supplements may lower a child's risk of self-harm and suicide. This is from an article by John Anderer. Can't get too much more of a German name than that. New research out of Sweden highlighting the importance of sleep during adolescence reveals a link between melatonin use and a reduction in episodes of self-harm among young people with anxiety and depression. Scientists at the Karolinska Institute performed an observational study of medical sleep treatments among adolescents and discovered the risk of self-harm increased in the months before a melatonin prescription and decreased afterwards, uh, particularly in females. Melatonin is a natural hormone, blah, 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 helps regulate the sleep. So that's interesting. And I, I hate it when the computer locks up, the website locks up. World population could peak at 8.5 billion people by 2050, study predicts. This is out of Rome, another story by John Anderer. The global population has steadily increased at a high rate for decades. For instance, 2003, the population on the planet came in somewhere around 6.4 billion. Today, humanity has crossed the 8 billion population mark. No shortage of studies and organizations try to, try to predict what the future holds for humanity in terms of population statistics. Now, a new report states that if global society takes a giant leap in terms of investment in economic development, education, and health, the world population may peak around 8.5 billion by 2050. So that means that it's going to peak by 2050 and then decline, they th think, to 7 billion by 2100. And this is a uh, put together by Earth for All initiative there. So let me... Uh, say this much China had a one child policy 
Now they are for two generations. Now they are in a demographic crunch. What do you think is going to be happening 2100, 2150 if this study is correct? You're going to have a reduction in population and you're going to, again, have a demographic problem. There are a lot of regions in the world that are having demographic problems now with declining populations, Japan being one of them. The other one, uh, no, certain U.S. cities also because populations on the move. What what happens? You have more. uh, You have an ecology called a population pyramid, where the bottom of the pyramid, which are the younger people, are supposed to be small, larger than the top pyramid. When you in nature, and we are part of nature, let's not forget that. When that population pyramid gets out of whack, what happens? Bad things happen. Resources are not allocated efficiently or properly, and regardless of market forces, and you have problems. Uh, this is what's going on in this country with Social Security, for example. I'm not a financial guy, but I do know some things. Uh, Russia, right? according to a lot of demographers, uh, is in war in the Ukraine because right now is their peak population for young people to fight in the war, young men specifically. Guess what? 20 years, that's not going to be the case. So you have the manpower. So what's going on? Things are changing. You're having more automation, more drone strikes. Hell, before the end of this decade, I imagine they're going to have uh, Terminator-type machines. All right? Uh, out there, right? Like in the Terminator movie with no, Arnold Schwarzenegger, or I'll be back, right? They might have that. Why? Because we're running out of people. The other thing is this, is the, uh, the no, the, the demographics are fouled up. Another thing uh, that might happen is uh, governments will give people incentives to have children or for better post uh, prenatal care, better prenatal care, so the infant mortality rate does not go, uh, the, no, it could be improved. Now you're going to say, Jimmy, you're nuts. Jimmy, what are you talking about? That doesn't happen. Case in point, Friday night we talked about Philadelphia giving $18,000, right? It might not have been Friday. I think it might have been with Murray Saban on Saturday. $18,000 for two women, pregnant women so now they could have better right infant mortality rates, the lower infant mortality, right? Again, that, that would probably uh, result in better demographics and everything else. Don't think that it can't happen. In Russia, they've been uh, incentivizing uh, childbirth for many years. Uh, Putin, uh, maybe, I don't know how successful it was. One day, about 15 years ago, said, everybody go out and uh, take the day off. Make some babies. Right? This uh, kind of stuff does happen. because, uh, And you also had the disincentive in China for two generations. And now, in the next 50 years, China is going to look a lot different because they're not going to be a lot of uh, uh, young people to take care of the old people and support the economy. In this country, we there's never going to be a uh, shortage of immigrants wanting to come here. There's an incentive not to crack down on illegal immigration, regardless of what your opinion is, uh, or immigration in general. Why? Because we need people here with the population pyramid on the bottom. That's what demographers are looking at. That's what government planners do. What drives our economy is capitalism, people buying stuff, people using stuff. This sort of stuff goes on. So uh, some food for thought there. By the way, one of the most popular uh, uh, web series is Handmaid's Tale. And what's the Handmaid's Tale? Handmaid's Tale is a story about a demographic collapse. And a religious group comes in to, hey, we're going to resolve this demographic collapse sort of thing, right? And it was a demographic collapse because of infertility. So 
In New York, nearly 7 in 10 Americans believe climate change will be a catastrophic illness. This is a, so, a story by Sophia Norton from Study Finds. A survey of 2,000 U.S. adults looked at their sentiments around environmentalism, found that Gen Z and millennials are especially likely to feel, again, feel, like climate change will affect their future. However, just one-third of uh, all respondents felt informed about environmentalism. Well, tell them to tune into the podcast from last week, Safety Wars. All oh, no, right? And uh, we have one more uh, podcast release for that. That's probably going to happen tomorrow. And one of nine admit that are not confident in understanding how waste affects the environment, but most will be interested in learning more. Seventy-seven percent. Again, if you're an environmental consultant, regardless of your background, you have opportunity here with this. Flesh, uh, here's uh, from John Anderer again. Flesh-eating bacteria spreading across the East Coast could explode from climate change. So this is a research from University of East Anglia that the continuing, continual warming of Earth's climate may, may result in proliferation of a fatal infection caused by bacteria found along the East Coast. The flesh-eating bacteria called Vibrio vulnificus is known to grow in warm, shallow coastal waters and can infect humans via cut or insect bite during contact with seawater. So what is it? Uh, uh, infections on the East Coast have increased uh, from 10 to 80 annually over a 30-year period. So they're on the rise. Uh, where did the bacteria come from? around the Gulf of Mexico. So anyway, uh, some pretty interesting stuff here. Very, you know, now for weird news, here's a weird one, right? Social anxiety can be crippling for patients. Current treatments to help anxiety sufferers be more in the moment by focusing on their senses and concentrating on their breathing, even when alone. We found that individuals who took, undertook one session of, uh, mindfulness therapy together with being exposed to human body odors showed about a 39% reduction in anxiety scores. So what does that mean? Human body odors. Underarm odor. <laughs> Whoa. Sweat. Whoa. Anyway. Ay, ay, ay. Where, where are we coming to here? What's the world coming to? This is from Ascension Parish, Louisiana. An employee of the water plant was fired after he was caught urinating into the water supply. Parish officials say authorities learned about the incident on Wednesday, March 22nd, and the employee was uh, terminated at 2.45 that afternoon and arrested by the police. Sheriff's office identified the employee who was 57 and charged him with two counts of contaminating water supplies and two counts of criminal damage to critical infrastructure. Damn good thing he didn't throw a baby Ruth bar in there, man. Parish President Clint Cointman said as soon as his administration found out about the illegal act, an investigation was initiated and the report came back credible. They then fired the guy. Public was not at in danger. So over the weekend, uh, there was apparently a spill in uh, Bucks County, Philadelphia, that contaminated the Delaware River. So uh, I was on communication with some people online today in uh, Philadelphia and Camden, and uh, they had uh, right they had uh, 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 a lot of concerns. Now, uh, water contamination in the Delaware River is making people concerned about the drinking water. This is from NBCPhiladelphia.com. Right? Uh, but so a report was released not too long ago, right before this program aired, that uh, the water is safe. All right? So the drinking water in Philadelphia comes from either the Delaware or Schuylkill River, depending on where you live. The chemical spill occurred on March 21st, happened in Otter Creek, and a tributary to the Delaware River in Bristol Township, Bucks County. I know exactly where this is. So 
Water from the Delaware River is treated in the Samuel S. Baxter plant about eight miles downriver from the chemical plant where the spill allegedly took place. So we realize when they're when they're doing this stuff, right? When uh, no, it doesn't come out of you. Don't just go down in the river and get a five gallon bucket of water and hey, let's drink it. No, 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 no. That's got to be treated. It goes through a treated area. a treated area, and that also uh, treatment plant gets sampled, gets, and there's a big process for this to let this happen. Uh, but uh, as I always say, uh, no, uh, a lot of times it takes 24 to 48 hours to get sample results, sometimes more on that. So again, be vigilant, always be vigilant. Update on, uh, let's see if we got anything else. Some more Department of Labor news here. Uh, nope, 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 nope. Sorry, sorry. Possession of laughing gas to be banned as UK steps up crackdown on antisocial behavior. The UK government, this is from the Epoch Times by Alexander Zhang. The UK government will make uh, possession of laughing gas a criminal offense as part of a new measures to crack down on antisocial behavior. I don't know if I can see them. Uh, uh, I can see them uh, 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 cracking down on the possession, but cracking down on behavior, right? We talk. Uh, we talked last uh, Saturday. No, on this upcoming interview on Wednesday, on government and organizations forcing relationships that would not arise organically. And it's causing a lot of pushback. I, pres- I predict it's going to cause even more pushback. And here we have, well, we're going to crack down on antisocial behavior. Antisocial behavior has a lot of causes. Some of it can be regular mental illness, right? Mental illness, just you, you inherit it from your, uh, in your genes, uh, it could also be reinforced behavior. Drug use is one of them. Here is one of them laughing. All this stuff. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, no, uh, the, if a ban would work, right? If I don't know how easy it is to get nitrous oxide here with this, uh, uh, right? Is from filling up balloons and things of that nature. All right, great uh, with this. No, so you have you're filling up balloons with nitrous oxide. I tell you, banning substances, we ban a lot of stuff in this country since the war on drugs started. Has the drug war uh, subsided, or has it gotten worse? Right? How easy is it to make or obtain nitrous oxide? don't know exactly the manufacturing process, but I suspect it's not too hard to do. So now you're going to go into the black market for nitrous oxide. Complete disclosure, I've had it a couple of times for oral surgery. We are concerned about the, the government spokesman told the BBC, we are concerned about the rise in health and social harms in nitrous oxide and how widely available it is to the public, particularly to young people. Therefore, we are banning nitrous oxide. We are, for the first time, making possession of nitrous oxide an offense. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, nitrous oxide is gas sold in small silver containers, which are then squirted into balloons and then inhaled. Prolonged use can cause a vitamin B12 deficiency, anemia, and nerve damage. It could lead to spinal injuries, according to some doctors. I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't researched it. Uh, It's been getting worse since the uh, COVID-19 pandemic as increasingly a scourge here. I don't know. uh, Probably worth looking at, right?
The Chi- this also from the Epoch Times. The Chinese uh, communist regime's draconian zero-COVID policy has caused some substantial secondary disasters. Since the regime suddenly lifted all the COVID-19 control measures in December 2022, the future of mass quarantine centers that cost tens of billions of dollars to build has attracted wide attention. So, uh... A lot of these quarantine facilities have been abandoned, and now what are you going to do with them? It's a big issue with that. You know, a lot of people feel that they uh, wasted money on here, and now, right? So I had some experience in this area. Uh, I was hired to do health and safety with a friend of this program, David Olcott, uh, where we were, uh, uh, I was hired to, uh, be a health and safety professional on a COVID-19 hospital uh, build in my neighborhood. And I know it's all paid for by the federal dollars. How do we uh, build it? We use panels. Now, the, the biggest thing with building these hospitals, sprinkler systems, or, so they had an existing auditorium. Uh, what was some of the stuff? They, sprinkler systems, number one. Power systems, number two. Right, installing power and backup power because you're a hospital. You need to have sprinklers. You have to have backup power. And we also built things with panels. Uh, and you're going to laugh, industrial Legos. Very impressive facility. Went up in uh, a month and we, uh, it, 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 no, uh, during COVID it wasn't easy. Because getting workforce, getting qualified workforce, and everybody's freaking out, especially up here in the Northeast, because right across the border in Rockland County, where I'm from, was one of the areas of ground zero and uh, for the pandemic, right? And uh, we had ongoing coverage with that. I had to take most of it down because it uh, was worth, uh, wasn't worth the, uh, the uh, aggravation, right? You have the aggravation factor. The House on March 27th, and this is from Eva Fu from the Epoch Times also. The House on March 27th overwhelmingly passed the bill to punish communist China for its forced organ harvesting from prisoners of conscience. The move marked the first non-symbolic legislative measure in the United States to counter the atrocity. H.R. 1154 dubbed the Stop Forest Oregon Harvesting Act of 2023 passed by a vote of four, almost unanimous, 413 to 2. All right, so there are some people not in session there. It aims to sanction anyone involved in the uh, organ harvest, an, or, organ, uh, an organ harvesting. It was sponsored by bipartisan by Senators Tom Cotton and Senator Chris Coons and more than a dozen other lawmakers, right, uh, leading the measures companion version in the Senate. All right. Representative Chris Smith of New Jersey was the principal sponsor of the bill, called attention to the penalties in the bill for those found to be involved in forced organ harvesting, a civil penalty of $250,000 and a criminal penalty of up to $1 million. It's got real teeth. We're not kidding. This is an atrocity. This is a crime against humanity, and it's a war crime because this is a war on innocent people in China. Xi Jinping is also directly responsible, but those who willingly engage in this will be held responsible. My question is this. Okay. Uh, How is this even enforceable in China? Right. What are you going to wait for the Chinese people who do this? You know, officials, business people, citizens to come over here and then arrest them. I think you're uh, you're playing a game of chicken with China, and you're looking for a major escalation here uh, with this. Uh, again, uh, no, no, no. So, uh, no, uh, I don't know. We're escalating things with China. I don't think, know how good of an idea that is. And uh, to just uh, for complete disclosure here, uh, the Epoch Times is uh, uh, published by the Falun Gong uh, religious or spirituality uh, movement who are often the... uh, 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 Allegedly, the uh, targets of a lot of uh, Chinese 
pro-Chinese movements. Okay. Let's talk about East Palestine, and we'll finish up with that, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Let me check on the time here because there's a lag time on the computer program and what it really is. It shows up on my screen. Okay, 5 minutes, 20 seconds. All right. Toxic wastewater from the site in uh, February derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, is being transported to Baltimore, Maryland. will be treated and discharged. Right? So... That's basically a treat. They treat and uh, discharge. Uh, so, Clean Harbors Environmental Services, whom I've worked with before, has contracted with Norfolk Southern Railway to accept, treat, and discharge wastewater collected from rain- rainwater and everything else. Now, this would probably be a good time to go over to the EPA website and let's see. They have statistics on here. All right. So, here we have. Uh, this is a latest update as of this morning. All right. Uh, 9171 tons estimated of contaminated soil was shipped. $8.6 million of estimated gallons of liquid wastewater was shipped. There are 623 indoor air quality screenings and just for kicks, the Welcome Center has received 408 visitors. This sounds like a road trip I want to go on, right? So, uh, you know, with all this rain we've been having in Ohio and everything, probably a lot of wastewater has to be treated and things coming off of, uh, off of uh, uh, you know, runoff, things of that nature, right? So here we have the... Uh, all right today the epa published the uh document uh the newsletter right for communities in ohio and pennsylvania newsletter will also be mailed to local to mail mailed to mailed to area residents the epa continues overseeing can clean up at the derailment site Large flue lake tan- tanks are temporarily holding additional wastewater for removal and disposal. The lake tanks will reduce EPA's on-site frack tank footprint. Frack tanks for smaller quantities of liquid story. They're usually 21,000 gallons. Have been used since the derailment to stage liquid before it is removed for off-site disposal. EPA is reviewing preliminary soil data as they are received. Final results will be available in the coming weeks. Okay, that's good. I would like to think that they listen to our program. Right and or coast to coast AM where I mentioned that where they weren't right. They seems like they stopped releasing uh, soil results, and that's what's going on over there. So uh, we will see you back tomorrow on uh, for and that'll be Tuesday, March twenty eighth. Uh, I'll probably read that newsletter from East Palestine and see what else they say there. Uh, hope. Everything is going well. Now, let me just mention is this. Uh, you need to, now, again, uh, go out there and get your first aid CPR AED. You know, I'd like it to be from me, uh, training. I'd like it to be from me, but if it's not from me, that's okay. You might save a life uh, with that. I know uh, my mother-in-law, I was, me and my brother-in-law were the ones administrating first aid CPR. We weren't successful but no, we at least tried to give her the best chance that we could. And with my brother, right, if you have a chronic health issue, please no, resolve it and everything else uh, here. And uh, we'll see you back here tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.